Are you the kind of gal who's not interested in how things used to be in the hair industry, who wants to hear from ladies that are paving their own way while making waves? Well then, She Makes Waves is for you. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayuga, and join me as I interview and learn and get curious about other hairstylists I believe are living life on their own terms, defining what success means for them and living lives in alignment with that. Let's dive in. Hey gang, before we jump into today's episode, which I'm so excited for you to hear, I have brought back for this week only my signature course, She Nets Worth, a hairstylist guide to going independent. So if you're someone that's been independent, going independent, or thinking about it, I highly recommend getting this course because it bottles up everything that I learned over the last eight and a half years of being independent. I've become obsessed with simplifying the framework for doing it so that you can have freedom financially, personally. And I know for myself that the reasons I went independent were also the reasons why I wasn't able to enjoy it. So what I mean is I wanted the freedom. I wanted the flexibility. But because I had those things, I didn't have any way of ever leaving the salon, leaving my clients. I was available all of the time. So please, if this is something you struggle with or you want to skip the shit show, please sign up for She Nets Worth because it is a passion and a labor of love for me. All right, let's dive in. Oh, also go to my website, wavemaking.com backslash She Nets Worth course and sign up now. Okay, guys. So today I'm bringing you a real doozy of a guest. We have Cash Lawless on. He began his career as a homeless dropout who started sweeping hair in a salon in Jacksonville. He's currently... Fast forward, a celebrity stylist and the founder of The Millionaire Hairstylist. He's on a mission to eradicate the hairstylist poverty that so many of us see and experience. So I'm super excited to just dive in with him and talk about how hairstylists are uniquely positioned to build wealth. Thank you for joining me today, Cash. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, no, I I actually, you've just popped up during COVID and I'm like so curious about you because like so many celebrity stylists, like they're doing the work. They're not really focused on the industry itself or the people that do hair. Um, So I'm really excited to just get your vantage point. And, you know, I'm first of all, so curious to know like how you decided to walk away from being behind the chair, because I know it's something that like myself and so many stylists, it's a huge part of our identity. We get so caught up in being behind the chair And here you are, you know, I was listening to one of your episodes on your podcast and it's like, you have two clients, they're celebrities, like it's the dream career and for like so aspirational and you've chosen to step back from that. So can you share a little bit about your journey to that point? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wouldn't call it walking away. Okay. Uh, Typically when I walk away from something, you're turning something down. Um, What I was doing was going bigger. That's how I saw it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, I I just have never even thought about it as walking away from, from it. But obviously when, um, we're good at what we do and we get a lot of praise and we're really affirmed by our clients, we look at our careers and they hold places in our psyche that I just didn't realize, um, had such a powerful impact on my identity as a hairstylist. And so when it was time for me to say, Hey, what's next for me? Um, how can I go bigger? How can I do better? Um, I, I don't, do I want to see myself here in 10 years, 20 years? Do I want to be doing the same thing? Um, and so what, what's next? Just always a question I'm asking. And um, 
when I had boiled my career down to have worked with a lot of A-list celebrities, I've, I've traveled the whole world, I've made great income and great money. And, um, and so, you know, you kind of start asking what's next when my, I haven't seen my wife in three months, uh, missed kids' birthdays. Um, I'm all, I'm gone for months at a time. And um, you start to question, you know, what, what is this life that I've sold out to? Um, and so I started realizing that um, income, earned income was sort of a, a, a curse almost. You know, I was like, man, I'm, I'm uh, to get to afford the things I want, I have to go sweat and work and I can't do the things I want so that I can afford the things I want. It's just, it's a crazy um, paradigm shift for me. So when I um, was, I was working with um, Justin Bieber and Priyanka Chopra and um, Kylie Jenner, and um, I was doing really fun work, making wigs and doing really cool stuff, traveling to really interesting events. Um, I started deciding, hey, I, you know, I think it's, it's time. All of that began quite, uh, quite a long time earlier. So there was a seed that was planted um, when I first met my wife. And the way that that happened was I was a broke hairstylist. Um, I hope not many of you can relate. Um, mm. And, and I, I met the love of my life. And uh, there was just a problem. She was in Texas uh, with four kids. She was divorced. And I was a young hairstylist uh, just, just starting my career. And um, she was cleaning houses for $60 a day, just as broke as I was. And I was trying to make a career, um, you know, working my tail off day and night as a hairdresser. Um, and I thought, this is never going to work. You know, how, how can we be together? You're in a different state. I have to spend a fortune to see you. You have to spend a fortune to see me. We don't have it. The only option here is that we become independently wealthy. That's the only way this is going to work. So we went to the New York City Library. We put a plan together how to educate ourselves on, on how we could possibly do this. I didn't know jack about money, investing, business, um, you know. And so I realized, um, we said, what are, what, what, are, what are our resources available to us? And I said, well, I know a lot of rich people. Um, I work with, you know, celebrities. Um, at the time, I was like doing jobs for free. And so I was like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm doing some of these jobs for 250 bucks, 500 bucks. Um, and so I thought, I'm just going to start asking my clients, um, questions. And, and so I'm going to offer my services for absolutely free if they'll give me advice. And a lot of my clients at the times were CEOs, CMOs, CFOs of massive, uh, you know, huge corporations. And so, uh, I'd go to their office, you know, and do, do haircuts for them. And so I just started asking, Hey, I'll cut your hair for free. If during this hour you answer all my business questions. So I started learning that way and um, I built really, really amazing relationships that way. I, I became really interested in what they were doing. And so they became interested in me and these are lifelong friends now. And so um, these people are a phone call away from me whenever I have a problem or a question and that, that, that uh, amplified my growth in, in business and, in, and uh, in my hairdressing career and in my networking and just, it made things blossom for us. But it didn't all come quick. It, it took us, you know, um, eight years from that point to, to reach the point of me saying, Hey, I think it's time. I think it's time to go bigger. So that was the decision at which, uh, that was the, that was the kind of the journey up to me, yeah, yeah. um, taking the first step and going bigger and saying, calling my clients and saying, Hey, I love you. I've loved working with you. Um, I'm going to go bigger.
So wow, and yeah, what did bigger look like for you? Because I know you like you're you're in real estate, you have other things going, and so what does that look like to, as like today? So um, I really wanted to take what I've learned and um, and help other people do it. So I've I've um, I've done a little bit, a few things. I've done a few things D- uh, while working on set and traveling. I was able to build uh, three multi-million dollar companies um, in the automotive industry, uh, in the e-commerce industry, and in the real estate industry. Not including, um, I was a seven-figure hairdresser, and. Um, and so I, I built several companies and those companies uh, did well and started to grow and started to outgrow me. And so um, we, one of these companies span across 40 countries. Um, we've got people working for us all over the world. And, uh, and so that became quite a handful. Mm-hmm. And um, on top of that, um, I started investing in real estate and uh, to date we've purchased over 800 houses. And, um, and so that became quite something to manage as well. And uh, then I started an investment fund that I managed a, a multi-million dollar investment portfolio of other people's money. And that became something <laughs> that was time consuming as well. So um, all these uh, all these ventures kind of led me to discover, um, uh, you know, one of my, well, one of my mentors kind of said, hey, there's really only four things that you can invest in. That's business, real estate, digital assets and paper assets. Those are the only four things anyone can invest in. And he said, you've done excellent in all four of them. And um, he said, he'd, you know, never seen anything, never seen anyone, you know, do well in all four, um, you know, several uh, businesses that were doing well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also a trader. I, I, I trade in the stock market. And so uh, he said, man, if you wrote a book, uh, that'd be really interesting. And, um, and so I, I didn't write a book. I am writing a book, but haven't yet. Okay. So, <laughs> um, and so I thought, shoot, um, let me see if I can, let me see if I can share some of this information with other people and see if it works. So I started um, writing down all of the things that I was doing and how I did them. And I'd already systemized a lot of it so that employees c- could be onboarded simply. And, um, and then I, I, uh, I taught them to my brother, my sister, my family, friends, and I started seeing them build wealth. Um, just kind of doing what I was doing. And so if they wanted to get into the stock market, show them how to do that. If they wanted to invest in their first property, um, help my sister buy her first investment properties, my brother. And so now they're, they're all, my brother's a millionaire because I showed him a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and so that got me really interested in saying, well, how, I wonder how many people I could, I could just help with this. And hairstylists um, constantly on set were, were asking me, um, how are you buying properties or, or how do you invest? I, I would love to flip houses. And, and so most of my time on set was sharing with makeup artists, nail artists, other hairdressers, my assistants, how to do all this stuff. And they wanted to know that stuff more than the hair things we were doing on set. So it all kind of just came to a head and, and a friend called me out of the blue and said, hey, when are we filming your reality show? And um, I said, ah, I'm not really into doing reality TV. Um, and so he said, well, let me come fly out. I just want to take a look at your life. And that was the birth of the idea of the millionaire hairstylist. And he said, why don't we, why don't you let me produce? Um, he's a Netflix producer. And he said, why don't you let me produce uh, an online course where you teach what you know to creatives and see if you can get creatives to be successful in business and in finance. Um, because I was a creative. 
am a creative. I'm still a painter. I'm a, I'm a musician. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a hairdresser still. Still cut my wife's hair. It's still, you know, friends that pressure me, my mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I, I, I thought, well, I think there's some myths out there with this left brain, right thing thing. I'm an artist, so I'm bad at business. I'm good at business, so I can't be an artist. And what I, what I learned from actually teaching my brother who's super creative and my sister who's not and all, all these different people in my life, I thought, well, this just actually came down to my conclusion was that um, we tell ourselves things that are untrue and it prevents us from growing in certain areas of life um, because those areas are more challenging because we haven't exercised that side, that side of our brain. And so I, I just started uh, trying to figure out how I could teach people, um, uh, open, open up the door to a whole new way of thinking. And it all started with eradicating some of the myths that we believe you know, about ourselves. And that just that that really started changing things and it's so we we sort of came up with how well, what do we want to do here what what really makes the difference and it came down to mindset and when i when i learned that i thought if people could learn the mindsets and they could learn the business the models the investing models the business models the, the simple steps just the simple how-tos and understand how money really works hairstyles would would be unstoppable because hairstylists are just so uniquely positioned for massive financial success. And, and the reason is because in the past, businesses that grow to seven, nine, 10, 12 figure businesses, whatever, they're asset-based businesses. It means they have assets and they have um, uh, ways of making money that don't require the CEO or the owner to go and sweat. Um, and some of those assets are people, technology, systems, tools, all, all of the things that a business can have. Um, including machinery and things like that. Um, an asset is something that makes you money without you actually doing anything. So hairstylists never had an asset-based business, which meant they're cash flow-based business. A cash flow-based business isn't really positioned to do uh, very well financially. So they, they kind of require you to work. They kind of all, you always have to be churning cash flow or the business is dead two days later, right? Mm-hmm. So an asset-based business is the assets continue to produce income while you stop working. And I was like, well, hairstylists, that, that's actually what hairstylists can do over the last 10 years, hairstyling and, and, and makeup artists and even any of the, the beauty uh, side of the industry has become an asset-based business because digital assets are now in existence. Um, and hairstylists just have this um, really unique creative um, mindset uh, that they can, I think they can, they can see other opportunities and create opportunities kind of like you've done with your podcast and your business and others have done with online courses and they've done with YouTube channels and they've done with all kinds of different things. Um, an asset is a salon space, an asset is a chair, you know, and so hairstyles are starting to leverage these things now um, and build asset-based businesses. And these people are becoming multimillionaires. And so um, that's been a huge shift. And so I'm, I'm just now moving, going bigger for me is um, sharing with hairstylists the huge opportunity sitting in front of them and um, just teaching them simple models of how to do it. Yeah, because I think that the mindset is what's so hard for hairstylists. Like, you know, like when I read your bio about like poverty, you know, I feel like there is this, there's like, you know, this thought of like, there isn't a cash flow problem for so many people, but there's such a issue with saving and, you know, there's, there's no education on it. And, you know, it's like, 
I don't know. It's just one of those things that is so, it's so disappointing about the industry. And so it's exciting, like that you're going to make a course that you have this course, because I think there's still right now, there's so many people that are getting into education with like the, like be a six figure stylist, but it's like, okay, beyond the price of your service, no one's talking about what people can be doing. And like, you know, like with, with COVID, you know, COVID started and I was able to get three renters in my space and like my business really shipped. I had it a baby, like all these things. I just feel like I was so fortunate um, to like pivot and like, and I feel like, you know, there is such an opportunity to pivot and to grow and to, to shift. But I don't think that, you know, customarily stylists are taught, like, it makes me so sad that people don't have 401ks. Like, and I've heard you say a ton, like, I think it's so sad that like to think about 10 years from now, 20 years from now, like your plan is just be behind the chair. And that's not to like shit on anyone that wants to do that. But it is to me super sad that like we have these long careers and like we, I remember thinking, and I was fortunate enough to work at a salon that had 401ks when I was 19, but so I was able to start early, but I remember thinking like, I didn't understand it and no one explained it to me. And I was like, yeah, I'll opt in, but I don't really get it. And I don't think I'll probably be ever be able to retire. Like, I don't think I'm that type of person. And I think that's the mindset that you're speaking to of like, I didn't even think it was possible for me. I feel like the stigma of being a hairstylist kind of fucks with us because it makes us not actually ever want to step out from that identity. Because I know for myself, it's like, I want to be taken so seriously that I feel like I limited myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you, what do you suggest people do? Like if, you know, you know, I know you, you talk about like, okay, so the price that you're charging is like phase one of this whole thing. And I think that that's really the only conversation that's happening right now is around what do you charge? Yeah. <laughs> that is my pet peeve. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what yeah, do you, what do you suggest a... to someone? Like, you know, like, I think that first of all, like, I think people need to be raising their prices. That's not, that's not in question at all. But I think there's such in like, there's just such a focus on that. And I know you've talked about like, it's like super short-sighted because there's mm-hmm. so many other things you can be doing. And it's kind of like that, the teacher that ends up being a millionaire. It's not so much about what the person's bringing in, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, the topic of the price is the first ceiling to break through is um, because most people don't understand finances beyond the phase one of wealth building, which is earned income. Um, most people, I would say mm-hmm. more, this is a, I don't have a statistical chart right. to show you this, but I'd say more than 95% of the world um, doesn't understand wealth beyond earning it. And so we have this ingrained thing in us that you earn it. And this is really important as phase one. This is what we do when we, we are children. But what we accidentally do is we take um, childhood financial behaviors that are good. You know, put, you, you earn your money, you work for it, you put it in a piggy bank, you save it, and then you have more for the future. That's not a wealth building strategy at all. Um, those are teaching you very, very rudimentary basics of finance, but we do the same thing we do when we're children. That's why people eat the same thing in their adults as they did in their ch- as a children. Um, we never grow beyond that. And that's what happens when we focus on the price. The price of our service is really important because uh, there's, there's three steps to building wealth. And, and knowing this, knowing I paid literally $10,000 just to learn this one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there are three steps to building wealth. And the number one is you should maximize your earned income. Um, 
unfortunately, this is where most people's wealth journey stops. And because we, we get such a big reward from it so quickly, it's so profitable to see lots of cash come in. Um, you could invest, you know, $1,000 into something and make 10% and wow, you, you get $100. That's not very exciting when I can just go work for a couple of hours and make much more. Um, so why, why would I do this? Unfortunately, earned income, you can't leverage the power of compounding. Um, and so it poses a problem. It has you always working forever. There's no problem. I'll work until the moment I die or I'm incapable. You know, and, and that's, I love, love, love what I do. I'm energized by everything I do. And if I'm not energized by it, I question why I'm doing it. I think it's sort of my, my inner intuition telling me I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. Um, and, and I even tell my kids, like, if, you know, if there's, you know, you're lazy, you know, we get, we get kind of put lazy stuff on us or we procrastinate, but procrastination can often be a sign. You are trying to do something you should not be doing. There are obviously times where we have to push through hard things but if you're naturally just not interested, um, you should question that and, and you should question the path that you're on. But if we can start uh, understanding phase two, which is growth assets, um, that then that is where real wealth is built. And, and phase three is passive income. There, those are the three phases. So you need to maximize your earned income, invest in growth assets, then allocate to passive income. If you try to do those out of order, you will stay poor. There, there's, there's no question mm -hmm. about it. Um, or you will stay rich, earning a high income uh, and being forced to continue to earn that high income to keep up your lifestyle, which is where I was at. Um, so knowing those, there are there's two phases to building wealth as a hairstylist and for anybody, really. There's your wealth accumulation phase, which is, I hope, before you're 60. This is your wealth accumulation phase. After that, you're in your wealth preservation phase. That's when you do lots of different things to preserve the wealth that you've uh, generated. In your wealth accumulation phase, this is what we focus on in the course, because I would imagine most people taking the course are not at retirement age. Um, right. And so uh, we focus on the wealth accumulation, although we do teach, uh, we, we do touch on wealth preservation strategies like asset protection, um, passive income allocation, and things like that. Those sound real complicated maybe, but we make them super, super yeah, simple. Yeah. Just step-by-step -step processes. Um, if you can get that to that next step, invest in growth assets, this is what it looks like. Earned income is you working for money. This is you going and sweating. This is the highest tax money you will ever make. And as soon as I made more than $450,000, something close to that in a year, I started losing 37% of my income to taxes. And I lived in New York and LA, and so I was paying a crazy amount of money. That was very frustrating to me. What I didn't know mm -hmm. was that passive income um, is often zero taxed. So there's, um, oh, by the way, I'm not a tax professional. I'm not an attorney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I am not giving investing advice, tax advice, or, or, uh, or, or legal advice. But um, I, I realized that uh, this was, a, this was a, the biggest loss. Calculated, put, put pen, to pen, pen to paper, and I, and I thought, wow, okay. So basically, I'm working from you know, January to the end of April for the government. Uh, that's like a prison sentence over the, you know, 20 years of your life. Um, so I, I thought I'd like to get to the passive income zone. You know, I'd like <laughs> to get to level three. So I tried to jump there. I was like, let me buy an investment property. I'll have passive income. So um, I bought, a, bought an investment property. I, I had $15,000. I had to go raise the rest of the money from, uh, from a, my father-in-law. I was like, do you have 15 grand? We'll do this together. So I did this little shoddy deal. And, and then so I sat back and I was like, we made $250 a month. So that was, you know, 125 to me. It's like, well, okay, 
I'm out 15 grand. I'm making $125 more a month. There's surely there's better ways to, to make yeah. more money than this. Um, and, and people make a, make often make the mistake of going straight to passive income. A growth asset, this phase two, is getting your money working with you. So you are simultaneously maximizing your earned income. You've done that. You've focused on that. You've optimized the, the earned income side of things. Now you're investing in growth assets, which is having something that makes money alongside you that you are not working for. This could be anything like a business. It could be um, an index fund. It could be... Um, uh, it could be a, a real estate, uh, a flipping business, you know, uh, it could be something like that. It really could be a YouTube channel, anything, anything that can make you money while you sleep and that grows in value. So if it doesn't grow in value yet just produces income, then it is a passive income investment. You need something that compounds in value and produces income. That means, um, let's say you buy a salon, you buy a, a piece of real estate, Real estate appreciates typically um, over the long history. It's, you know, it's really never um, lost 100% of its value. So um, that is a, a growth asset. Real estate is a growth asset. Business is a growth asset. Businesses can grow in value as well as produce cash flow. Those things, uh, for example, if a hairstylist owned their space and they also put in chairs, the chairs could cash flow while the real estate appreciates. That's an example of a growth asset. Mm -hmm. This builds wealth far beyond faster than anything else. Um, and that concept was incredibly powerful in, in my wealth building journey. I had to learn how to identify what an asset truly was and not just an asset, but a growth asset, one that grows and compounds. So leveraging the power of compounding is really powerful. Um, and then when you leverage compounding over time, your money starts to work with you very powerfully. And eventually the money that your, your assets are producing for you out perform your earned income. And that is a really awesome moment. Yeah. You go, wow. The passive income and appreciation and tax benefits and all of the amazing things from my investments outperform my earned income. Should I keep working or should I focus more on that? Wow. It brings up a big question because when you go to work, you're actually making less money than your other things are making you. So shouldn't you just go work on buying more of those? Um, so most people they, they don't understand the second step, which is growth assets. A lot of people will even go and say, I'd like to be financially responsible. So I'd like to, I'd like to budget more and I'd like to save more. Totally. But as we say in the millionaire hairstylist, savers are losers. It's a very offensive statement. <laughs> so it upsets, it upsets people that have done a very good job saving their money. Yeah. But like I said, saving your money is a child's way of managing finances. Budgeting is also, I don't know a single billionaire who budgets. Their, their, their personal income. Budgeting is, is um, uh, not what billionaires do. They also are not saving their money. <laughs> I can yeah. tell you that. When, let's say, we take Warren Buffett, for example. You might say, well, Warren Buffett saves money. He has billions of dollars in cash set aside. He's not spending it. Warren Buffett is allocating. So millionaire hairstylists do two things. They allocate and invest. Every dollar gets allocated to an expense before it's spent. Budgeting is a, is a retroactive look you say, okay, I'd like to restrict my spending in certain areas. Allocating is I'd, how much can I spend on the areas that matter? Very big difference. And when you spend the majority of your money on the areas that matter, you start to see massive results. So, and, it, and you can't spend money you've already spent, right? So when you spend it first, when you allocate it to an investment or you allocate it to a specific thing, um, that means it's gone. 
and you are left with what you're left with. There's no need for budgeting. You just have what you have. Mm-hmm. So uh, we teach exactly how to allocate your finances from the dollar that you earn straight through to passive income. God, and cool. uh, it's a very streamlined process. And, um, and when we even talk about that, hey, hairstylists nowadays, a lot of them feel like they have 10 jobs and they don't need another job. They don't need another yeah. real estate investment. They don't need a property to manage. They don't need that. Honestly, it's okay. I just want to tell every hairstylist out there, it's okay to have your chair as your main income focus. It's okay to want to do that forever. It is okay to not want to do it for a day longer. Whatever works for you, whatever, wherever you're at in your life, it's okay. I don't know why we feel so bad about saying like, I don't want to do hair anymore. I'm still doing it. I would love to do hair forever. That's cool too. It would just be great to have some options in case that changes because I tell people, what did you, what are some of the things you loved when you were eight years old? You know, 101 Dalmatians, the movie, maybe something like, I don't know, for maybe from my era. Yeah. Um, no, I'm like playing playing as much. Yeah. Like I'm like, the older I get, the more I'm like, I want to just like, I used to pretend my bike was a horse, like just be imaginative. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we change over time. We, we, our, our tastes change, our preferences change and you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you have a sick family member you'd like to provide for. Maybe, maybe there's a million dollar idea you have that no, you don't have the money. You can't do it. It's restrictive. Or maybe you'd like to um, uh, put your kids through a certain college or, or, you know, maybe you'd just like to travel and maybe you don't want those things now. And maybe you have no idea what you'll want or need in the future. And no one has any way of knowing what we'll want or need in the future. I have no idea if I'll be able to walk tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So um, planning for those things gives you options and options is fantastic. There's nothing worse than experiencing what's called reactance as a hairdresser, which is doing something you love, but growing in disdain for it because you're forced to do it when you don't want to do it, how you don't want to do it, and with people you don't want to do it with. And eventually, you start resenting what you used to love. And it's a very painful experience. You'd like the option to stop or only take the clients that energize you and fulfill you and only do the jobs that excite you and only work when you want to instead of putting your kid in daycare, maybe. Maybe you'd just like to be a home. Maybe you want to be a better mom or maybe hairstyling for you is a four-year plan. You're going to maximize some earned income, take your income, put it into a growth asset until it's producing five grand a month in passive income. Then you just want to re- go be a mom. Yeah. Maybe that's what you want. Well, I love what All you're saying. Okay. Yeah. I love what you're saying that like, I always feel frustrated when it's like, this is, this is what the successful people are doing. And it's like, this is annoying. Like, yeah. like someone's version of success is different than someone else's. And that's, what's so cool about what you're saying. It's like one person, it's like, I had an episode that I said, it's, it's okay to just want to do hair. Cause it's like so yeah. popular. It's kind of overwhelming right now as a hairstylist to feel like, well, fuck, I don't have a podcast. And I'm the first one to say, don't start a fucking podcast unless you love podcasting. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had friends on pot that have gone on people's podcasts. They're like, that was the most awkward fucking thing I ever did. And I'm like, yeah. right. Cause they shouldn't have a podcast. They're just following other people they should be doing what's what what their what sets their heart on fire so I love what you're saying about you know like maybe you want to work behind the chair two days a week and have that option or maybe you know like I've heard you say before like you know people and when I started my podcast I was like oh my god I wonder if there's other people that don't know that their life sucks behind the chair like I didn't know that (laughs) I was I was like I'm doing it right like I'm seeing the 40 people a week and I'm like hustling and I I am making good money and I'm like wait 
I'm missing my own life. And that's why I started my podcast. And um, I, I just feel like it's so refreshing to hear you say like, well, someone, someone might want to walk away and someone else might not want to. And, you know, earlier, what you were saying about just compounding, like, I remember when I learned the, the, the power of 72 and I was like, wait, what? Every 7.2 years, if your money's invested, it makes it like, like, it, like your money doubles every 7.2 years. That's what it is, right? Well, oh, my money doubles much faster, but yes, right. traditionally, traditionally, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's like a rule if, out there. Right. There's a investing. rule. Yeah. 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 That like, yeah. So if some people are doing it better, you know, have more skills, but like, okay. Like even if you're doing the bare minimum and you can have your money double every 7.2 years, like. I, I'm sorry. No one told me about that. Um, yeah, I, yes, I feel like simple I, models. Yeah, and I'm like, no one's talking about this. Like, this can't be a module in fucking hair school. <laughs> I mean, yeah. am I missing something? So, well, I, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So, when does your course launch? Because this is exciting. I will say this year. We okay. are um, we are painstakingly put in putting in. Um, a lot of money and a lot of effort and a lot of time into ensuring that not just the material is there, great, but how it's delivered is digestible, understandable, followable, actionable. Um, and so we are, I mean, I have a, a, a Netflix producer producing this course. Um, it's exciting. Um, it's not a cheap thing to do. <laughs> so um, it is uh, it will likely, we're going to try to get it down, but it'll likely be somewhere around 10 to 20 hours in, be, in between that range of um, covering everything from setting a vision for yourself, uh, discovering, uh, you know, the, the success path. Every successful person I've ever met knows, knows what they want and they have a plan for how to get it. So we identify what you want. We help you go through that process. We put a cost to that life. We go then go and do some of the simple, simple investing formulas that say, all right, how much will you need? What, what's your goal net worth? What's your target passive income? What's your lifestyle cost? What's including inflation? And walk you through. And by the time you, you finish that course, you will know more about finances than most CEOs. You, you will know so much about business finance all the way from managing your money in your businesses making allocations in your businesses, reading your three financial statements. You'll know exactly what KPIs to be monitoring. And um, uh, I'm nervous to say this, but we're working on an app um, and it cool. should come out before the course uh, so that uh, students can use that as well, where we just distill all of your business financial KPIs as well as your personal finance KPIs. So you can just open the app and in five seconds, you know exactly where you're at, whether you're on track, off track, uh, doing well, or, or you're going to hit your 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 net worth target or your passive income target, things like that. That's so so cool. we've made we've turned all these numbers and all this crazy stuff into just a quick visualization um, that I think will really really help creatives start understanding how money how simple money really is. And money is a um, incredibly abstract and diff and and, and can, you can go down so deep into money, um, just the concept of money. Um, it's a really really powerful concept. But it works like gravity. It's just kind of simple. You don't have to understand it. I can pick up this cup and drop it and it works, right? I don't need, I don't need to know the equation <laughs> behind that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just want, uh, I want hairstyles to understand. You don't have to go down this rabbit hole of all of this complicated math. It's actually very simple. And most powerful things are incredibly simple. I'd find myself overcomplicating things all the time. Um, I love to think deep. I'm a philosopher at heart. 
I, I, I just love to complicate things. And one of the things I think we like to complicate things, one of the reasons is because there's no payoff in understanding something simple. If a child can understand it, it doesn't make me feel any smarter. It doesn't make me feel accomplished. Um, I can't share it and sound smart. Um, and so we often reject simple ideas because there's no emotional payoff. Uh, but most of the world's wisdom can be distilled down into really, really simple concepts. And, yeah, and that's what yeah. we're trying to do is just distill um, lots of noise into really simple concepts that actually work. Oh, I love that. So I wanted to ask you because you've had like a few episodes of your podcast come out and I noticed that you've only had one female guest on. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, you know, like this industry is so full of women, but when it comes to like wealth building, do you find that the people that you gravitate towards are, are most like the people that are building wealth, would you say they're primarily still men? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Those are just the oh. people that said yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's actually really exciting to hear. Yes. Um, so I will say that um, there is a very saddening statistic I discovered on my wealth journey and I have three daughters and they will not be part of that statistic. Um, uh, and I, I mentioned this, uh, you know, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, I think. Um, but only 9% of women believe they're better investors than men. That is tragic considering women's investments outperform men's. If women are actually outperforming men in investments, why do only 9% of them think they're better um, or could be better or understand investing better? Or why is that? In order to make investments and in order to do well in anything, it requires confidence. Confidence is a, is a critical factor in any achievement. I can see uh, my kids when they were young, lack of confidence would stifle performance. And as soon as they were praised, as soon as they were lifted up, as soon as they got some confidence and achieved something, performance, boom, skyrocketed. Like you, went, you go from this 20% line right up to 80% really fast. Females, it's strange that their investments, according to, I think this is a, this is a, um, a Forbes study. I have all of the links saved to the studies, um, say that women's investments slightly outperform men, yet women think that they're not as good. And so I want to really dis dispel that um, and so we reached out to several guests uh, and yes, we will going to have more women on the second episode, but we just didn't get as many yeses to speak on this topic. And strangely, um, uh, you know, the men were very like, oh yeah, love, love to talk on it. I'd love to brag about the, all the things I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like women will, and maybe women are afraid of other women being like, well, that bitch is talking about like, like they feel like they're not, they're, they're trying to be modest. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And I, I, I'm, I'm not one to assume. Um, yeah. I don't know. But um, well, we got uh, one of my biggest mentors, Michaeline DeJoria, um, was our, our first guest on the show. And it is hard to get, you know, um, multimillionaire yeah. to be on yeah, a podcast yeah. that has never been aired. <laughs> right. So we asked lots of people. And um, and the people that responded were the people that that were in the, in the show. Yeah. And I so, was just curious because I know that, like, you know, I heard something years ago, like, of, like, you know, it's a female dominated industry, but like I heard a statistic of like men typically are in still running a lot of the companies. And I was just like, oh, I wonder if there's like a study recently about like where women are in comparison. Yeah, I don't, I, I wish there was. And I will say that in my experience in, in business, um, uh, arrogant people make more money. I don't know why that is. Um, and I find far fewer arrogant 
asshole women. That's what I was thinking. That's kind of like the (laughs) the thing I'm thinking. My mind just went around as you were talking. I'm like, I bet you that like, and that's like, that's kind of a mindset thing. It's like a beautiful quality, but I heard it's something that said like, if a woman has like, you know, like if a woman thinks they can do 40% of the, like they have the skill set to do a job, they think they can do it. They won't even try to go for that job. But like all men will try and go for a job. They think they can do 40% of and women, yeah. it's just like, they won't, they won't put their name in the hat. And this is why men lose more money in investing as well. They take risks that they think they're smarter than. So what I find between like, we're getting on the gender topic, which is a yeah. very high risk for me, um, <laughs> but I, I'll take the risk if we're going there. Yeah. Um, what I have found, uh, I've worked with, I've hired hundreds of people. I've, I've, I've looked at lots of resumes. I've done hundreds of video interviews. Um, and one thing that I have noticed is that women think they are worse than they are. And men think they're better than they actually are. Um, and in general, total generalization. Mm-hmm. Not every woman thinks she's worse than she is. I've met, you know, I've met some arrogant women and uh, just many more arrogant men. And this, this difference as shown in the investment study that so few women think they understand money and investing as well as men, um, or their investments could outperform those of men. Um, I guess it makes sense when we see the top 10 richest people in the world are men. Uh, it's a very, um, uh, it's a thing that's, I think is, is very, very close to changing. Lots of historical reasons. It's out of my scope to even discuss about mm-hmm. those things. Um, but I do think that my daughters will be very different. <laughs> they've, they've already owned their first rental property uh, at, at 16 years old. They understand how to spot investments. They're very interested. My, my 18 year old, uh, I have a 21 year old in college. Um, she's, she's works and works for me. Um, my 18 year old is uh, already on her own talking with two friends looking to buy a fourplex and they're gonna live in one and rent out the other three to produce passive income as well as uh, own a growth asset. So. Um, my daughters are going to be very different. And I wonder if fathers um, maybe think that they're, since their daughters aren't interested, they aren't sharing, or maybe parents don't share with their kids because they don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. But I do see that, that um, I don't see a lot of fathers sharing with their daughters uh, the same things they share with their sons. And maybe that's something generationally, uh, maybe culturally, maybe it's not another culture. Maybe it's just this culture, but yeah. I do see that. Maybe there's something yeah. to that. I, but I do think you're right. I think it's changing. Cause like my nanny's 20 and she's like, yeah, I think I'm going to buy a four, uh, a two flat next year and then rent out like the half of it. And I'm like, that's savvy as fuck. Like <laughs> good for you. Like, Oh my yeah. God, my nanny's smarter than I was at 20. I, that's, that's the kind of people I want to be around. So I think that's, I think you're right that it is changing and oh, it is big it's time. exciting. Big time, especially in the beauty industry. Um, I mean, there are so many powerful women. I mean, I, I primarily, I was a hairdresser for women primarily, about yeah. 95%. And um, my clients were all richer than I was, you know, um, back then. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but they, they, uh, they were very savvy businesswomen, very confident in their field. Um, and, and these are people like Jen Atkin, who, who has oh, you know, pro, uh, Sephora product line, um, or, you know, like Priyanka Chopra, who's obviously like a, uh, you know, a mogul um, across many things. Um, she was a, a beauty pageant queen, you know, and tur- turned into to what she's done. Um, and then there's, there's um, 
um, oh my gosh, there's, there's just countless women who were doing what they were doing, but also had five businesses or, or, or lots of real estate, or they were all very, very successful, powerful investors, brand builders, marketers. Um, and it, this is just not, not the era that we used to be in. Um, yeah. and so I, hairdressers being, what is it? Some, our industry is like something 90, 90% plus women. Is that what it like is? That. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is now, but you know, it was somewhere around there. Um, that is just a massive opportunity for women to be in this industry because the potential for uh, generate, building generational wealth right now is ab- is astronomical. It's astronomical. Yeah. So where can people follow along and keep up with you? Because I think everyone listening should should buy your course. When And I know I want to take it because I took a course on investing and I never finished it. I'm not going to lie. It was just a lot of multiple choice. And I was like, okay, I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to come back to this. And I, I didn't. Um, so when, where can people follow along and like keep up with you? I I love your podcast, but where are you at primarily? Um, so primarily on Instagram and on the podcast. So we had lots of options. We could do TikToks. We could do reels. We can market all this. Yeah. Stuff. We really just wanted to keep it simple. And we knew that hairdressers are primarily on Instagram. Okay. Um, obviously, there are lots of people on TikTok, lots of other mm-hmm. options, but career, they've built their careers. A lot of careers have been built on Instagram. And so we thought, where are, where is our audience and where can we reach them? And so uh, we, we focused on Instagram and then we thought, oh, we can do all these things on Instagram. No, let's keep it simple. Um, how can we offer daily wisdom um, in bite-sized chunks just to give people small, sli- digestible slices of business and financial advice? And so we um, started the Instagram account and, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's growing so consistently and, and we're really, really honored and surprised by the response. Um, and so those are the two places that you can, you can check us out. We also have obviously have the, the website, the millionairehairstylist.com, which will, um, that's where you, you kind of like access all of the tools and the course materials and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, you can follow us. You, you can like, it's, if you DM us, it's me answering, you know, amazing. Um, and so, uh, yeah. That's, that's where we are. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for um, doing this interview. I've enjoyed it. Me too. Super fun. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. 